So last week, um, just a brief recap, the title of my message was, Who Do You Say That God Is? And what I really wanted to challenge people with is this idea of how much is God in control in your life and to what degree, what areas of your life have you really given God control of? And we know from plenty of scriptures that you know God is with us when we receive him, Jesus as our Savior, and the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, that God is with us every moment of every day, every breath we take. There's not a single point in our life where he's not there with us, but that many times we don't necessarily live our lives with that understanding or that awareness. We go through different parts of our days and weeks and months where we just kind of, God is just sort of at a distance or he's in the background and we're just trying to do things on our own, maybe in our own strength or in our own wisdom. And God wants to very much be involved in all of the different facets of our lives. And so it was more of a message to challenge us to say how much of our lives is really given over to God? How much of who he wants to be to us in our lives is he really being on a daily basis? Because when God is God and he's in front in every step that we take, that's really where the power is. That's where the victory is. That's where the peace is. That's where all of the wonderful things and purposes that God has ordained for us as believers, as children, to live out. That's when those things are happening, manifesting, coming to pass right before our eyes here in the natural. And when we're living in a way that's a apart from God, separated from him is the source, not walking in, in his steps that he's leading us in, but just kind of taking our own steps. That's where we start to see the limitations of this physical body. We start to see the restrictions of our own understanding and knowledge setting in and affecting the way we walk things out. So it was really a message to get us to challenge ourselves to think about how many of our, how many areas in our life is God really God? Is he really in control? Because when we say that Lord is Lord, that means we get him in every sense of the manner and we get the whole package and we get him as God and, and everything and all the stuff that he said he was wanted to be to us and all the promises that he declared in his word. When we receive him as Christ and his Lord, we get all of that with it. And so it's up to us to really live that way on a daily basis where we're applying all of those things in our lives. And so where I wanted to go now today is, okay, so we make the decision to let God in. We make the decision to allow him to be Lord. We, we, we say, okay, yeah, I want him to be God in my marriage. I want him to be the leader in my career. I want him to guide me in my parenting, in my finances. I'm giving it all over to him. I'm surrendering it. That's that first step. From that point, how do I continue to walk by faith in that area? How do I continue to allow him to be God and to see those promises and those provisions and all those things that he wants to be continue to come to pass in my life? How do I walk by faith and not by sight on a continuous basis every day from here on out? And it's basically a matter of just knowing him more knowing more of who he is, his attributes, his qualities, who he wants to be to us, and the things that he has already purchased for us that are ours in Christ that we can apply in our lives and see the benefits thereof. And so the title of my message today is The Messenger of Truth. The Messenger of Truth. I want to take a moment and pause and just pray. If you could bow your heads with me. Lord, 
really, I seek you, God, here. I seek your Holy Spirit to just come and, and lead and direct this service. God, direct my words. And, and Holy Spirit, just begin to, to speak to every heart that's here. Just the voice of truth that would just ring in their, in their heart and in their spiritual ears, God, to just stir them up and bring things uh, that you want to bring right now at this moment in time into their life that they're never the same. Allow this message to just take root and enrich our lives with more of your goodness and your truth uh, and your fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the messenger of truth. How do we understand God more? How do we know more of who he is? How do we put his promises into play? How do we put them into existence in our lives? The first thing that we have to understand, and I've, I've, I broke this down into four points. I think it'll be um, easier for us to take in and to go back and study over later if we go through these in four sections. And so the first one is we have to understand that knowing God Knowing who he is and knowing more of him is not a physical process. It's a spiritual activity. And we can look at the Bible in, in a lot of ways and see this. First of all, the very first decision that we make to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, that very first step, the beginning of all of this Christian life on earth, starts by way of a spiritual or supernatural type of activity. There's nothing physical or natural, meaning there's, you know, in the New Testament times when the church was, was growing, after about the first hundred years after Jesus was gone, you know, there was a lot of uh, types of theories and teachings that were developing that were uh, anti-Christ, you know, what he taught. And one of those things was Gnosticism. And that was basically this teaching that somehow if we as people could just learn enough and just understand enough and we would just intellectually get to a certain place where we understood enough things that that would be the key to us coming to the knowledge of Christ and coming to salvation. And how many of us know that that is an impossible feat, right? We, God never gave us the capacity mentally to be able to come to a point where we could receive him for the first time or what I'm submitting to you, any of the things that God would have for us along the way after that, that none of that comes by way of a physical type of process. We know, I talked a little bit from Matthew last week in 16, where Jesus was speaking to Simon Peter and he said, you know, there, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things about who I am. Who do you say that I am? That's what I'm interested in, not what everybody else says. I want to know what you say that who I am to you. And Jesus said, "You're Jesus," or uh, Peter said, "You're Jesus. You're the Son of God. You're the Christ, the Messiah." And what did he say after that? He said, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven." So right away from the very beginning, the knowledge of Christ, who He is, is the Messiah, the saving, the saving grace of of Jesus coming into our lives, the Holy Spirit, is not something that man can, can give us an understanding of, that, that the, the mind has the capacity to reach out and grab that thing and bring it into our life. It's just a decision that we've made to receive him as Lord, and then by grace, supernaturally, the, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. There's no 
physical effort that's applied to making this happen. And then we go on to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, the Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now follow closely. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that's in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. So you can see here that there's nothing about God's understanding more of who God is, knowing him more, embracing more of the promises that are, that are available for us in our lives. You might as well forget about going on some intellectual pursuit to try to grab hold of this stuff. It's not a, it's not a scholarly thing. It's a, it's a process that happens by way of a supernatural impartation of God's spirit into our spirit. And then the physical parts follow behind or catch up to what's already happened in the spiritual or in the supernatural. Understanding comes after the supernatural has been imparted into us. Even when, we, when we're sitting in worship and sometimes we have tears of joy and weeping or we just feel overcome by the peace of God. You understand that these are physical manifestations, but they are follow-ups of the, what the Spirit is already doing. The Spirit is already moving. You've already went into a spiritual activity of prayer and worship, and the Spirit is already moving on your behalf or in your life or in the midst. And so those physical things are just follow-ups of what's happening on a spiritual level. So all of this, we have to just embrace the fact that we cannot get to a place where we understand God more or we, you know, chalk up more of his promises or make these lists or I just got to keep studying so I don't forget. It's not about that. It's about a supernatural impartation into our spirit where the truths and the, the realities and the promises of God take residency in our spirit and become accessible to us in our daily life from that point on. So that's part one, point one. Point two is that we have God. I talked about this last week too. We have God in us, in his fullness from the moment we receive the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how uh, when Christ comes to live on the, or the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, that God is all God all the time. So we didn't get a smaller version or a less powerful version or just a little piece of God and the rest of him is out there in the heavenlies or something. All of God is, is in us at the moment we receive his Holy Spirit. So we receive him in fullness, but the key is, and this is the follow-up from last week now, is that our understanding, our revelation, our knowing him more, our faith is something that continues to grow and build through this earthly life. He comes to us in fullness and resides on the inside of us by way of the Holy Spirit. But we do not receive fullness of understanding and faith and all of that at that very moment. That is something that comes to us in a revelatory way. 
There are supernatural impartations, revelations that will continue to come to us through our walk as we seek him that will bring more and more of this truth and reality into understanding, into existence in our lives that we can then apply in our daily walk. It's a revelatory thing. Go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Paul's saying, uh, he's talking to, to some of the leaders in the church here, and he's saying, Be, oh, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men and according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I love the way he starts this out. He says, don't get cheated here. Don't let anybody fool you. Don't think, don't, don't get some little uh, diminished vision of, of who God is in you. Don't be cheated out of this. You have him in fullness. The full peace of God, the full God is in you right now living, and in him you are complete. So what he's saying is, You've got it all right here. It's everything you need is already there, right? It's not somewhere out in the in heaven or you got to go seek it. It's all right there in you. But we know that we have to kind of like mine it out of us or, or bring it to bring it to focus through way of revelation by the supernatural activity that happens when God's Spirit brings it to us. It's kind of like let's just imagine you had this huge painting. This actually works pretty good because there's a curtain behind here. So imagine you've got this great big painting, this masterpiece behind you, but you've got a curtain in front of it. And that's kind of how the Holy Spirit is in you in fullness right now. It's all behind the curtain. The whole thing is already done. It's finished. But as you kind of pull pieces of the curtain back, you start to see a little bit more of this masterpiece. And you start to get a little bit more of an understanding of what the picture is trying to say. And that's how living in a way of, of receiving revelation and and, and impartation from the Holy Spirit into our spirit is. It brings more and more of this understanding of who God is and who he wants to be into our spirit so that we can then live by those truths and apply them in our everyday lives. In Mark chapter 9, there's a story where a father comes to Jesus and he's trying to uh, asked Jesus to heal his son. His son has a mute spirit. And it's like throwing him down and causing him to go into convulsions and all this stuff. And Jesus ends up healing him. But he says something that's really interesting. Really, the, the dad says something that's pretty interesting. Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And so the father immediately cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. That's kind of a... I mean, that causes you to stop for a second, doesn't it? I believe, help me with my unbelief. So we can believe in Christ. We can have him as our savior, but yet there still exists a measure of unbelief of all of the things that God is and wants to be to us. We don't fully understand it or haven't embraced it or it hasn't been revealed to us. So we have all of Christ in us. We believe he's the Lord and Savior of our lives, so he lives in our, our heart you know, by the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, there are a measure of his truths and promises and purposes for our lives that we don't know yet. That we don't have faith for because we haven't received it yet. And so 
Belief and unbelief, can they coexist? Yes, they absolutely can. And you can see that exactly from this scripture that that's what's happening. Another place that it is pretty apparent in scripture is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to read this out of the Amplified Version. Uh, verses 10 through 12. And Paul says here, But when the complete and perfect comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away, become antiquated, void, and superseded. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Now that I have become a man, I am done with childish ways and have put them aside. For now, we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim or blurred reflection of reality in a riddle or enigma. But when perfection comes, we shall see in reality and face to face. Now I know in part or imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner that I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. So, again, just to wrap up that second point, is that we have all of God living in us in fullness. No limitations. Every part of God, everything that God said he was and, is, and would do for us, it's all there, available. But it comes to us in a revelatory manner because there will never be a point in this life where we will see perfectly, where all things will be clear, where all of God will be understood to us, where all of the promises and all of the great attributes will somehow all be known at one particular time in this life before we get to heaven. It's impossible because Paul's even saying I see him perfectly now. Only when that which is perfect has come. Only when I'm with my Lord in heaven, when all things pass away and all perfect becomes in focus, will I then be able to see all of him clearly and for who he is. Point number three is that this the revelation or the divine truth that we search for to understand who God is, more of him, more of what he has for us in these promises, these things come by way of a messenger. They come by way of a messenger. And what that means is, is there has to be a way that on this supernatural level, this spiritual activity, there, there's a process basically by which that impartation occurs. And I think that it will benefit us in this message to just kind of bring a little bit of light to this, to open this up because Really, there has always been a messenger or a way that God had communicated his truths to his people. We know even in 2 Peter chapter 1 that Peter says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So any of the times even before Christ came and did his redemptive work, even in those moments in the Old Testament, there was always a manner by which God brought his truth. He either spoke in an audible voice or he inspired and moved men by the way of the Holy Spirit. So there was always a, a way that the, the truth was being brought to man. And then we know that when Jesus came, that all of this changed and basically became available to everyone that was a child of God by way of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and the Holy Spirit is the messenger that the Bible talks about. We're going to go into uh, John starting in chapter 14 
in verse 16. And Jesus says, I will pray the to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Just say that for a second. The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Right? So Jesus is with them right now. He's bringing the message. He's, he's delivering the truth to them. He even said, the words I speak to you. He said that multiple times, right? Obey these and my words, you know, these are how you see the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and then he says at the end of there, but he's with you now, but he will live in you. And he's kind of foreshadowing what's yet to come when the Holy Spirit is going to be brought forth after Christ ascends to heaven and is raised from the dead. So we jump down to John 14, uh, verse 25 through 26. And he says, These things I have spoken while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said. So he's, Jesus is saying, once I'm gone, once I'm away from you, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he's going to live in you. And he's going to guide you and teach you in all things yet to come and remind you of things that I said. He is the spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit is the messenger by which God's truths are imparted and revealed into our spirit as he lives in us. In John 16, 13, he goes on to say, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He will guide you. And that word guide in the Greek basically means to be a continual guide. It means to, you know, a guide. Think about it. If you go on a tour or whatever, you have a guide. They, they walk you through. They show you things. They explain things to you. You don't steer away from the guide because then you're lost. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like or where you're headed. And he's saying right here, Jesus is telling them that the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is going to be your guide in all things. He is going to be the source, the messenger of by which all of my truths and my promises and my attributes are going to be made known to you, are going to be revealed to you. It's going to be in a supernatural way and an impartation. It's not going to be of anything that you can accomplish in your own strength or that this world would possibly have you to do. The spirit in us is what bears witness to our spirit, to the truths of God, as he is all the time. 1 John 5, 6 says, And in the spirit, it is the spirit who bears witness, because the spirit is truth. And then in Romans 8, 16, The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit is, is the witness bearer, the messenger, the spirit of truth. He is bringing the message. He is bringing the truth, the understanding of, wow, God, that's I never knew that about you. Or 
man, God, I, I see that now, that that's a promise for me in my life. Or, God, I hear you telling me to go in this direction or in that direction. I hear it. There's a spiritual activity taking place that's beyond the physical where the Holy Spirit living in us is bearing witness to the truth. He is bringing the message of truth that God has for our lives. And then it begins to take residency in us for us to walk in and follow out for the rest of our days. I love the way uh, John Wesley commented on this scripture in Romans 8.16 where it says the spirit bears witness to our spirit. He said, happy are those who enjoy this clear and constantly. Meaning, man, that the Holy Spirit is just on a consistent and continual basis, just revealing truth, revealing his purposes and promises to us that we're that idea of revelation of the uncovering is just happening all the time. More and more of that curtain is being brought down and we see more of God for who he is. And we see more of what he has for our lives. Happier are those who enjoy that clear and constant. I know that's something that I crave and desire. And the messenger of truth, he, he brings the message and he, and he also uh, is the authenticator of the message. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible tells us that uh, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. For when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I love that word seal. Because, you know, in those times when a king wanted to send a message to another region or another authority, that those that was done by letters and, you know, they had scribes type stuff out. But they always took that message and they sealed it. There was a specific seal that all of the kings had and all the regions had that would authenticate the message. Otherwise, anybody could just falsify letters and documents and send them along and create chaos, you know. But there was a seal that was unique and specifically crafted to each ruler and each area so that when the message was brought to another place, that, that message was authenticated. This messenger and this message is real. It's true. It's coming as it's intended to, as the king purposed it to be. And so when we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, he is the authenticator. It says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. He is the authenticator of our faith and of of all of the things that God brings to us by way of revelation. We know when we receive a message from the Holy Spirit, it's bearing witness to us in our spirit there is an authentication about that. That's not me. That's not a voice. That's not something that's anything else. That's the Spirit of God speaking truth to me. There's authenticity in it. I know it because I've seen it and I've felt it and I have it in me. That is the real truth, the divine truth. And I would say that, look, there are many a man that walk the face of the earth that believe that they hear things or believe that they receive messages from people or, or books or all kinds of things. And all that to just say, I'm sorry, but if it isn't marked by the seal, the authenticity of the Holy Spirit, there's only one voice of truth. There's only one messenger of truth. All other things are null and void. There can be only one, right? So he, is, he marks his message with authenticity. And it always aligns with his word. 
You know, when you believe God is leading you or he's speaking to you about your life or he's showing you something that he has for you, and you hear that voice of truth, you know it's him. It always lines up with his word. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 7 that the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit are one and they're in unity. And so when the Holy Spirit is revealing by the way of truth God's plans or God's purposes for our life or revealing it from his word when we're reading the word or in prayer, that it's always going to flow out of the word of God. It's always going to line up with what God has declared in his word. And so the result, the application of when this truth comes to us and when more of, of God is revealed, who he is, who he wants to be in our life, and how we're to walk that out. We receive this and we were enriched and we're just, I mean, receiving that revelation and having more truth known to us and more of God's plans for our life. It's, I mean, it is one of the greatest things. It's, it's, it causes a desire, you know, to just have more of it. But the, the purpose in us receiving it is actually for us to put it into practice, it's for us to actually apply it in our lives. Think about it. If that weren't the case, God would just zap us to heaven right after we receive him as our savior, right? What would the point be in going through a process of understanding more and more of him on this earth? It's not for that. It's not so we can just like see how far we can get while we're on this earth, you know, who can get to the highest level. It's, it's, it's because when those things come to us, they have a purpose in application in our lives and to the lives of those around us. So when we hear this truth, when we receive it, it begins to build our faith because it takes residency in us. And there's, there's truth of God and who he is to us and what he has for us. That truth, that absolute begins to produce a faith by which we can live. And then, therefore, when faith is applied in our lives, the power and the purposes of God flow out of us. And then the supernatural of heavenly purposes collide with the natural, overwhelm them, and the kingdom of heaven is advanced. And so, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So when we hear the voice of truth, when we hear the the Holy Spirit bearing witness to our spirit and the truth on a spiritual level comes to us, then we know our faith is increased by that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So our faith is increased, right? How do we, how do we grow in faith? It's, it's a continual process. How do we do that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we know in Hebrew, or, uh, yeah, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, okay, get this. The Holy Spirit imparts truth to us, reveals God's plans and his purposes, and it begins to take residency in our spirit. He bears witness to it, and there's something produced of substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So when the Spirit imparts, there's something of substance now there that wasn't there before from which, our faith, from which our faith can draw from and stand on in the moments, in the times that we are in need of it, right? That's why when, when 
you think about people say they understand things or they, oh, I've heard that about God or I know that about God. But then a moment in their life comes and then that thing is, is gone. There's no sign of that, that faith or that truth happening in their lives. Well, you can hear about things all you want, but until the spirit of truth reveals it to you and bears witness in your spirit and it becomes something of substance that increases your faith by which you can then draw from that truth in your moment of need, allowing the promise to actually be fulfilled, performed. There's such a difference in knowing of things and actually seeing the promises performed and coming to pass in our lives. I just think about this is probably one of the greatest this this living this way and, and under just pursuing it like this as far as God revealing more of his truth in himself so that I can live so I can bring that faith into my life and then live by that faith every day. I'm just I mean, I'm just infatuated with this. And I think about how it's changed my life. I think about how I live differently as a result of faith in action versus before those truths were a part of my spirit. You know, I think about how when I realized and, and I, I understood and God showed me that, you know, in the scriptures, he is omniscient, meaning he is all knowing. I'm just gonna give you a few examples of this. But, you know, first John chapter three, it says God knows everything. And then in Job 37, it says he is in perfect knowledge. And I begin to read these scriptures and I'm like, and he knows everything. There's nothing that's not known to God. And then I stumble across James 1, chapter 1, where it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives, with, who gives to all without reproach, and he gives it liberally. Whoa! Anything I need wisdom for and understanding that I don't know in my mind, in my natural, I can ask the one that knows everything, and it can just come to me. And then I actually live that way. I mean, look, raising kids, trust me, <laughs> there is not a book I have on my shelves that I can go to. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's things that come along. I mean, our oldest daughter, she's like, she comes up with questions that baffle me that I'm like, I, I, yeah, let me get back to you on that. Um, and, and look, I'm not ashamed to tell you, I, I rarely have the answers. I rarely have the answers, unless they're already in me from what God's already done. But with kids, you know, it rarely, you, there's always new territory. So anything in your life that you're dealing with, that you're moving in, that you're walking in, the wisdom is there for you. It's available to you. God's omniscient. He wants to give it to you literally. You know, I, I begin to see where, where God is, is peace, that that perfect peace that Dan was talking about at the beginning here that surpasses all understanding. Meaning no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the conditions in my life are, good or bad, extreme or not, that really there's no reason that there should never that there should ever be an absence of peace. Because it says in Isaiah 26 3 that you will keep your he will you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And so as long as I'm continuing to focus on God through what I'm going through, there's always a, a peace and just a, a, a comfort and a joy to walk through the, the treacher, most treacherous of storms. It's about living this way. It's about putting this into practice in our lives, not just hearing about it and thinking on it, you know. And 
thinking about how God's plan, many of us search for God's plan for our life. We want to know what he has for us. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to do this? But we, I read earlier in 1 Corinthians 2, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered the thoughts of hearts of man, the thoughts uh, that God has prepared for those who love him. So, okay, so I can't really know what God has for me. I can't figure it out. I can't, you know, think on it enough or whatever. God has to reveal it to me by his spirit. And then Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I'll answer you and I'll show you the great and mighty things that you do not know. And so all of these truths are producing in, in us substance, increasing our faith that are allowing us to draw from something in our walk forward in our daily lives and then see those promises performed, see God being God. We talked last week about letting him in, letting him be God in all the areas of our lives. And as we continue to let him in and do that, how he continues to perform his promises through us is by means of our faith being applied to the situation of who God is and what he has for us and allowing that to flow out of us. And you know what? The, when you receive it, the truth, and there's more of it revealed and more of it imparted, it'll mess you up, actually. <laughs> It, it will. It'll mess you up because what it does is when truth comes in, it immediately voids everything else that's untrue about that. It immediately eradicates everything else that's in you, in the flesh, in the humanly parts that is contrary or contrast to that truth. And so it kind of, it'll mess you up whenever you see because then you think about, wow, wow. That means a lot of things now. That means a whole lot going forward that what I thought about that way or what I looked at, how I looked at that, that's just not so anymore. That's just not the case. And so that's what God's truth will do. It'll mess you up. But as we know from John chapter 8, the truth will what? It will set you free. It will set you free. So when you have that, even though it, it, it voids out everything that was untrue or that was contrary to the truth of God, then you begin to walk in a spirit of freedom and liberty, free of bondage or anything else that's over that. Make you free in the Greek means properly set free, released from bondage to remove the restrictions of sin or darkness because you're delivered by God into true spiritual liberty and growth, meaning it will continue to keep you free as you go forward in that thing with, by which truth moves through your life. It will continue to produce an element of freedom and liberty over all of the bondages and oppressions and things of this world that will continue to come at you because that won't change as you move forward, that you will need to stay and rest upon and see that freedom and that liberty continue to stay and be produced in your life as you move forward. I need that desperately, and you need that desperately. We need that spirit of liberty, that freedom, in all these areas of our lives that we're walking in on a daily basis. We need that because if we don't have that, then the, 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 the bondages and the miseries and the pains of this earth, we're susceptible to that. We, we are, they can, they can take ground from us. They can get ahead over us and begin to bear down on us and then deter us from the things that God has for us. We must walk in that spirit of liberty continuously. So, just to wrap this up, you know, when you 
when you receive these things, and I'm sure many can testify to this, it just produces hunger and thirst and a desire for more, for more and for more. And, and that's the way we live because we never get all the way there in this life. We're always going to be seeking for more of that curtain to be pulled down. We're always going to be desiring for more of that picture to come into focus and for more of those blessings and privileges to be experienced in our lives. And that thirst is what drives us. We begin to become unsatisfied with anything else, any other means. It, it just becomes useless and pointless and it does nothing for us. It's kind of like where the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, we, we begin to see that the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. Jeremiah 17, 5, cursed is the man who trusts the man and makes flesh his strength. And, and so you just become unsatisfied. You have no desire to receive this. You, you, you know you can't get it from anything else but the authentic, true messenger of truth, the, the true uh, spirit of God. And nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will do. And as we seek hard and as we pursue, God is faithful to reveal. This is the part I absolutely love. It's not by merit. Uh, you know, hey, if you are really pursuing hard, you're going to get more. I mean, in terms of, I guess, frequency, you're going to understand more. But, you know, as long as you seek him, it will come to pass. Right? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I used that scripture in Hebrews 11 last week. And then we know Jesus even said, ask and you will receive. Knock and it will be open. So as we just seek, God has already promised us that he will reveal. He will show. And as far as I'm concerned, as a, as a pastor, having this great privilege of leading people, you know, and guiding people as a shepherd to know more of God, that's what my heart is. Look, I, I hope I didn't lose a lot of people in that message. I know that was a lot of stuff, but my heart is just to help you see more of him, to know more of him, to have more of his promises real to you in your life, not just hearing about it. And quite frankly, there is nothing that I can do that's more effective in my mind, in my opinion, to help accomplish that than to stir up the hunger and the desire in you so that you become the seeker. You know, there's you, you can't go, there's no message, there's no church, there's no podcast, there, there's nothing else that you can rely on to do this for you that will even come close to what occurs when this, the thirst and the hunger and the desire is stirred up in you and you begin to seek him diligently for yourself and allow the spirit of truth to be able to bring the messages to you and reveal more of God to you for yourself. And, and I, I've even seen this in situations where people get on fire for God and they get, after they just come to him and, and it's like, forgive me for saying it this way, I don't mean it, but you couldn't deter them. I couldn't, I couldn't knock them off course if I tried. Hey, I'm shutting the church down. You know, everything I said, just forget about it. It wouldn't work because the desire in them is it's 
It's created, it's sparked, it's sparked, it's stirred up, and they're seeking him passionately and diligently, and the, the voice of truth is beginning to just impart and impart and impart and reveal and reveal and reveal, and the faith is growing and growing and growing, and then the faith is being applied and applied and applied, and the promise is actually being performed and performed and performed, and the victory and the liberty is evident in the life of that person. And that's what I want for all of us. That's what I want for me and my family, but I want it for you too. And we're all on a journey in that. And we're all in different places in that. But we should all have a hunger and a desire and an appetite and a thirst to want more and more and more. And nothing else will satisfy.